So when you see the desolating sacrilege standing in the holy place, as was spoken of by the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. The one on the housetop must not go down to take what is in the house. The one in the field must not turn back to get a coat. Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. For at that time there will be great suffering, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and will, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no one would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and produce great signs and omens to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Take note, I have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Where the corpse is, where the vultures, there the vultures will gather. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Doesn't sound like much good news, does it? This is another one of those texts out of the, out of the gospels that I, I tend to laugh when I hear from from fellow Christians, especially fellow pastors, about oh, we're red letter Christians. We we, we like to just follow the red letters, you know. In, in a lot of our a lot of our Bibles, the the words of Christ are in red. Well, what someone is meaning by that is that the thing that they like about Jesus are the things that they like when he says them in the red letters. They tend to discount the other things that he says that are in the red letters, such as Luke 13, repent or you will likewise perish. Or here, this this end of the world uh, picture, this apocalyptic, uh, if we're going to use the word the way that most of us understand the word, the the wrong way to know what the word is, the apocalypse uh, being the revealing, uh, the the picture being the the pulling back of the veil of, of the bride at a wedding to reveal who she is. Uh, we, we, we don't necessarily want to pay attention to these, especially those who call themselves red-letter Christians. They like the Jesus who talks about uh, uh, what they believe to be feeding the poor. They, they like the Jesus who says, uh, blessed are the meek. They, they like the Jesus who says, go and do likewise. They like the Jesus uh, who, who talks about uh, the rich uh, not having an easy way into the kingdom. They, they, there's this this position that a large percentage of us take when we say things like we're red letter Christians. But the problem is then that we get ourselves caught up in this difficult passage from Matthew 24. This is the continuation of the Matthew 24 text that we had last week uh, as, as our gospel text for this Sunday. This text comes to us as almost the revelation type portion of the text, this prophetic text, this apocalyptic text, that that can cause us quite a bit of harm because we've spent all our time wanting to have the lovey, squishy Jesus, crafting Jesus in the image that we want him to be rather than the Jesus that we're given. And so here, for instance, it it opens up with, so when you see the desolating sacrilege standing in the holy place, as was spoken of by the prophet Daniel, then flee to the mountains, basically. 
run away, hide, because things are not going to go well. This this uh, this desolating sacrilege. Many uh, scholars differ on what they think it is, uh, especially when you look at Daniel, that it could be that at, at one time in an, an invading general uh, before the times of the Gospels had sacrificed pigs on the altar in the temple area. There is also this understanding that the that uh, one of the Caesars, especially at the time right after Jesus, uh, had put up his own image in the temple grounds to be worshipped, to, to pray to. But the reality is, is that at the time of Daniel, when he was one of the first taken into exile into Babylon before the complete destruction of the temple. There was sacrilegious stuff all over the place in the temple. It was part of the reason why the exile came. It began with Solomon, with with the building of, of shrines and temples to other gods all around Jerusalem for his wives. And then it it continued on to the point in which, uh, if you read Ezekiel especially, you you start to, he he has these visions, for instance, I'm in Ezekiel right now for my weekly readings, my daily readings, and and, uh, you have him going into these places within the temple grounds where people are bowing down and worshiping idols, bowing down and worshiping these other foreign gods, and they're trying to do it in secret so that no one can see it, so that hopefully God won't see it either. This this image of the desolating sacrilege, we can play around with it as much as we want to, but it's basically this image of, of uh, turning our backs to God, throwing, casting God behind us uh, to, to turn towards something else. And so here Jesus is saying, so once you realize... <laughs> The reality of the fact that that God has been thrown away, run. Because as soon as that time comes is when the, the end will be near. And so you flee to the mountains. Why? Because you hope that God won't find you. You, you, you don't go back down from the rooftop. You, uh, you, you don't uh, return to the field to get your coat. You, you don't do any of that. You, you hope and pray that you're not a pregnant woman or carrying a suckling child because you're going to be terrified and you're going to try and run because you think you can outrun God. You think you can outrun the, the end of the age and you can't is what Jesus is saying here. So you're hoping that it's, you, you, you want to hope that it doesn't happen during winter or on the Sabbath, because if it happens during winter, it could be rather cold. If it happens on the Sabbath, well, you're not supposed to be traveling. That's against the law. <laughs> but here Jesus is saying it's going to come. And, and he says there's going to be great suffering. But then he also says that because for the sake of the elect, for the sake of God's people, God is going to cut it short. It's going to be painful. It's going to be hard, even for the elect, even for the people of God. But God is going to cut it short so as to not make his people suffer for much longer than is necessary. And the struggle is going to be here, he says again, just like we had last week, that there's going to be this push to find the Messiah, to find the Savior, to save us from this harrowing time, to save us from our own sins, to save us from all these things. And we're going to look for him in so many different places, which is what we do all the time. We already talked about that last week. And even we're going to find ones who can do parlor tricks to pretend like 
they're it. And the message is going to be so much so that it's going to be, well, you know what? He's out there in the wilderness. Don't go out there. It's not him. Oh, he's in the inner rooms. He's, he's hiding in the inner rooms in the temple. Oh, no, he's not in there either. And then he says, for as, for as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, the sudden just... That will be the coming of the Son of Man. You won't be... It, it's not going to be done in a way that you're going to have to be puzzled about it. It's going to be in your face. Jesus with jazz hands saying, Ta-da! I'm here! Making sure that you know. You're going to know when he comes. This should be something that we read and we take seriously. And it should impact our lives and our understandings of that we have this time coming that we look towards. We don't try to figure out when it's going to happen. We try to hope that it doesn't happen in our lifetime because it sounds like it's going to be really horrible. The, 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 the time of, of the suffering, the pain, the heartache, the people turning on one another, all those things. But at the same time, what's the promise that we get from here, church? We get from here the fact that Christ is going to come. He's going to come for you. He's going to come for me. He's going to come again, just as he promised. That that is just as we confess in our creed, right? That he will come again to judge the living and the dead. That he is going to come again. Because death has no hold on him. He's just biding his time, waiting for the right time. Just as it was the right time for him to be born when he was born, there's going to come a time it's going to be the right time. For him to come again for you and take you to himself to be with him forever and that's the promise that we hold on to even in our suffering knowing that it's going our suffering is for a moment but our joy comes in the morning through christ that is what we have to hold on to right we have to hold on to that otherwise life becomes something of of, of dreariness it becomes something of fear right becomes something that causes us to really try and figure out, well, what's the point? What's the point? Until we find that we do have this Christ who speaks to us in his red letters of the fact that he is going to come. We give thanks to God for that. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, give unto us the increase of faith, hope, and charity. And that we may obtain that which thou dost promise. Make us to love that which thou dost command. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, church, go in peace. Serve the Lord. We'll see you on Sunday.